Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Tossing and turning all night like a salad. It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. I'm Jill, and this is the Sober Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and if you're new here, I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. If that sounds interesting, please subscribe. Today, I'm going to talk about bad habits versus problems. It's hard to accept that our drinking is a problem, so many of us will claim it's a bad habit that just needs to be replaced with something else. 
I'm going to explain what bad habits are, how they're formed, and the brain structures that are involved. I'll contrast this with what we've learned about addiction to show you the difference between a bad habit and a problem, and explain why we can't just replace alcohol with something else. If you haven't subscribed to my email list yet, then please use the link in the show notes to subscribe. So let's dig in. Some people struggling with alcohol will refer to it as a bad habit, often wondering how to replace this bad habit with something else or how to get out of the bad habit of daily drinking. Sure, it's totally possible to have a bad habit of drinking too much. My husband did because he lived with a problem drinker who wanted to drink every day. You could develop a bad habit of drinking too much because of the friends you choose to spend your time with too. Maybe they want to go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, so you get in the habit of drinking way too much on those days. A habit is a behavior that becomes automatic after we repeat it enough. This is something our brain wants to do, so we aren't constantly using brain power to think about every little action that we take. It's estimated that about 40% of what we do every day is a habit, which means our brains don't have to worry so much about that stuff. The problem is when we adopt bad habits. Since our brain isn't thinking things through anymore and our behavior becomes automatic, these can become really difficult to break. Habits follow a pattern called a habit loop. It starts with a cue, which puts your brain on autopilot and carries you through the loop. A cue could be waking up, getting home from work, Saturday night, all sorts of things. After we're cued, we perform the behavior in the routine steps. If my cue is driving to work, my routine may be stopping at Starbucks. It becomes automatic even if Starbucks isn't on my direct route to work. After we complete the behavior, there is a reward. This tells our brain that we did something good and it reinforces the habit loop. So I drive to work, stop at Starbucks, and my reward is a really delicious coffee. Another habit loop that I've had is get home from work, put on my PJs, and feel cozy and relaxed. When a behavior becomes automatic, the decision-making part of our brain can relax a bit, but it isn't completely inactive. The basal ganglia is mainly responsible for maintaining habits. This part of the brain is responsible for motor control, motor learning, executive functioning, behavior, and emotions. It's more recently been found to play a role in attention and time estimation, implicit learning and habit formation, and reward-related behavior and emotions. The basal ganglia are a group of neurons that exist deep within the white matter of our brain. They work closely with the pyramidal and limbic systems. So if you remember from episode 20, we talked about pyramidal neurons being neurons that connect different parts of the brain together. The pyramidal neurons in this area primarily use dopamine as a neurotransmitter to send messages to other parts of the brain. The basal ganglia is made up of five pairs of nuclei, which you can just think of as little parts of the brain. I'll include pictures in my weekly email so you can see what these structures look like and what they do. Overall, they play a role in things like planning and control of movement, memory, eye movements, reward processing, and motivation. Some of these nuclei you've already heard of in this podcast. The striatum is made up mostly of GABAergic neurons, meaning neurons that influence the GABA system. 
But there are some nitrogic neurons which use nitric oxide as a neurotransmitter. If you listen way back to my episode on sex, nitric oxide has an important role in both male and female sexual behavior and regulates erection, ovulation, clitoral engorgement, and lubrication. Knockout studies in mice have shown that disruption of the ability to synthesize nitric oxide by neurons results in the disappearance of male sexual behavior and female ovulation. The nucleus accumbens is part of the striatum, and this area of the brain has a big impact on how alcohol messes with our brains. The nucleus accumbens is a major part of our reward system. When we drink alcohol, dopamine is released in this area and reinforces that this behavior was good for us. Our reward system was initially designed to reward us for doing things that promote our survival. So our brain makes eating, drinking water, and having sex feel good so that we want to do it again. Alcohol and other drugs release a huge amount of dopamine in the nucleus accumbens, which tricks our brain into forming memories that alcohol is good. As we're learning a habit, part of the striatum groups the habit-related task together So the brain sees it as one big event. What I mean by this is the brain isn't seeing get in the car, then drive to Starbucks, then feel amazing and go to work. It's seeing it as only one action. So there's only one thing to do once you begin the loop. While we are learning the habit, some neurons will signal if the task is being done incorrectly and other neurons will signal after the habit is completed to say that we did it correctly. Once the habit becomes automatic, the number of neurons that signal when we do the habit incorrectly becomes a lot smaller and we increase the number of neurons that signal when we complete the habit. So this switchover is thought to be one of the reasons that habits are so hard to break. The prefrontal cortex plays a role in habit formation as well, specifically a part of the ventromedial prefrontal cortex called the infralimbic cortex or IL cortex. So this area of the brain comes in later once the habit starts to become more consistent. It's involved in forming new associations, so associating the cue with the action and the action with the reward. It's sensitive to changes in the habit that require changes in our behavior, so the task grouping pattern that this area forms is the first thing to break down when we start changing the habit. It will reemerge if we adjust the habit by changing the action. The American Psychiatric Association describes addiction as a brain disease characterized by compulsive substance abuse despite harmful consequences. That's the main difference between a bad habit and a problem. If the outcome of a bad habit becomes negative, then we will work to change the habit. When our drinking only brings suffering and misery to our lives, we continue to drink and believe that alcohol is wonderful. During my sobriety, I've picked up a couple of bad habits with sugar. Every few months, I'll go on a sugar spree and want to get ice cream every night. We have an ice cream place in walking distance to our house, and they have so many different topping options. And they also do a Nutella core in my ice cream, and Nutella is amazing. 
So I'll get ice cream from here a few nights a week because each one will last me two days. Then after a couple of weeks of this, I think, okay, this is way too much. You shouldn't be doing this. And then I stop doing it. Sometimes it's hard and I'll stop a little bit, go back to it, stop a little bit again before I fully stop. But it's not comparable to what alcohol was doing to me. Even when I was begging for help at the end of my drinking, I still couldn't stop doing it. I was desperate, and I saw some of the destruction alcohol brought to my life, but I'd still get home from work and drink that very same day. I have another bad habit that I've had for most of my life. I'm not a nail biter, but I bite the skin around my nails. It's usually not very noticeable and my hands still look really nice. It's not an attractive habit and I wish I didn't do it, but it's not bringing any negativity to my life. So I'm not too interested in putting the work in to change it. So I'm a slob and I'm also married to a slob. So right now, I'm working on building a new habit where I wash the dishes and clean up the kitchen every night after dinner. So I started that earlier this week, and so far I've done it every day. Before, I would wash the dishes before I cooked again the next night. But that can start another bad habit of saying we should get takeout because we have to clean before we can cook. I'm putting in conscious effort to remember to clean every night, and eventually it'll just be what I do. I've done the same thing with the gym. It's hard to wake up every day and exercise, but after a month or two, it just became something that I did. A bad habit is something that we do automatically that brings some negativity to our lives, like a dirty house, not losing weight, having gross hands, not exercising. But we are able to decide to be different, and with conscious effort, we can change the habit. With a problem, you can't change it just by deciding to. We don't crave our bad habits. If I were to stop chewing on my hands, then I'd probably forget a ton of times and catch myself, but eventually I would stop. I wouldn't have intense stress and anxiety over not being able to do it. I wouldn't feel physically ill for a week while I adjusted. I wouldn't have intense cravings to get back into my bad habit months later. If we could all just decide to change our bad habit of drinking, we would. Like I've said before, no one chooses to drink the way that we drink because it sucks. It's not fun at all. We never knew what would happen to us after we started drinking. It could be a normal night or it could be the worst night ever. The habit loop changes for a problem. It becomes more of a spiral. You're triggered either externally or internally by something which sets off a craving. The craving is relieved by drinking. When you drink, you get some kind of a reward, but there are also negatives that come with it. The negatives might be shame, a DUI, fighting with a partner, poor performance at work. Whatever it is, it usually triggers you again, and then you have another craving. When we adopt a habit, we just start doing it without thinking about it and continue about our lives. When we have a problem, it takes over our entire lives. We change our lives to center around drinking, and we obsess over alcohol. 
When you have a bad habit, you can try to replace the action with a better action. If I want to have ice cream every night because it makes me feel fun and it tastes good, then instead I can have some kind of drink with stevia. I still get that sweet fix without the bazillion calories. You can't replace alcohol with anything, though, unless it's something else to abuse. Nothing's going to do for you what alcohol was doing, and that's the key. With my ice cream habit, I can just switch it to something else and it's fine, but that doesn't work with wine. Those of us who call our drinking a bad habit will seek to replace their nightly drinking with something else. I want you to start thinking about this differently. You can't replace alcohol with anything. You just have to stop. We obsessed over alcohol and made it the center of our lives. Are you going to center your life around sparkling water or tea? Probably not. Alcohol was doing something for you. Maybe it was making you forget your problems, blocking out trauma, relieving anger and anxiety, or satisfying your need. Nothing else is going to do those things for you unless it's something else bad. You can't abuse tea. Tea doesn't make you forget your problems. Tea doesn't relieve anger. So if you're still drinking, I want you to identify a bad habit in your life like I did earlier and compare it to your drinking. Are they the same? My life completely revolved around alcohol. When I stopped drinking, I had nothing. No hobbies, not many friends, no source of fun or happiness. I had to change my life so that I could be fulfilled and happy without drinking. I couldn't just remove the center of my life and keep everything else the same. I would have felt an intense void, and since nothing good can fill that void, I had to change my life. I've done this by trying out all sorts of activities and finding new hobbies, getting a passion project, which is this podcast respecting my environment, and keeping my house clean. There are endless options for me now because alcohol isn't sucking up all of my time. If you want to stop drinking in 2021, then you need to let go of the idea that you're trying to replace your bad habit with something else. I know it's hard to accept because the idea of drinking just being a bad habit makes it seem more normal and less severe. It's hard to say that you have a problem, but minimizing it doesn't make it any less of a problem. So I hope this episode was helpful for you and gave you some insight about habit formation, what parts of our brain are involved, and the difference between our drinking and a bad habit. I'll talk to you guys next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how 
excuse for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.